Father, I want to thank you so much for another day of life, the gift you've given us, and the wonderful sunshine outside, and um, I just ask that you'll bless this time together. Um, Thank you so much. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to start with, I'm going to kind of go through this. It's, it's, um, I'm going to have to move pretty fast. I've kind of been asked, I didn't realize it, my other um, presentations have been kind of more interactive. You can ask questions during it, but I'm not going to this time, they've said, because of the recording. So people can hear me, and it's more consistent if I just go through my, my um, talk, and then we can talk about questions afterwards, okay? Okay, so in uh, this, uh, talking about produce safety, um, this is for worker health, hygiene and training, soil amendments, um, produce safety dealing with wild domesticated animals, and land use. Also, your water for um, production water, your water for uh, post-harvest water, and your handling and sanitation, and how to develop a farm safety plan for your food. So understanding produce safety on the farm, you need to be able to identify types of human pathogens that can contaminate your produce. You need to understand common ways that produce can be contaminated. Sometimes we don't think about that all the time. Understand strategies to use that prevent and reduce the risks of contamination by human contamination. Understand the value of implementing food safety practices and understanding the consequences of food safety risks. And this will start making more sense as we go into it and I'll kind of go into it a little more detail. So on January 4 of 2011, President Obama signed into law the FISMA Act, or the Food Safety Modernization Act. And this was um, the biggest regulatory step that had made for food safety for quite a long time. And um, through the years of 2011 up to 2020, um, growers had that time to kind of get all these ducks in a row um, over that those amount of years. And now at this time, uh, 2020 is over, so they're expecting us to follow these regulations um, when we're growing and processing and selling our, our food. Um, there are some exceptions, and I'll get into that in just a minute. So the areas that this Modernization Act is covering, there are seven primary rules The first one is produce safety rules that include standards for growing, handling, packing, and holding of produce for human consumption, preventative controls for human food, preventative controls for animal food, foreign supplier verification programs, accreditation of third-party auditors and certification bodies, sanitary transportation of human and animal food, and prevention of international contamination adulteration. So these are the areas that this actual food safety program is focused on. And so for every mandatory federal standard for growing, harvesting, packaging, and holding of fresh produce, some of the growers may be eligible for exemption. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about, and maybe all of you might fall into that. I, I don't know where you are, but basically, if you're $25,000 or less, then these don't apply to you. I say that, but you still want to follow food safety, so whoever is buying your produce will not be getting a, um, a foodborne illness. Um, so um, other ways that they um, you can be exempt is what commodities you're growing, such as if you grow things that have a, a kill, a kill like a heat source or something like that, or you've um, processed it so uh, at temperatures where the the food born, you know, the bacteria and the parasites and all that stuff can be killed, then you're exempt from that. And um, again, and then your $25,000 comes into your annual prune sales. 
And so those are some of the things that um, you'll want to take a look at uh, as you're um, looking into the food safety and if you uh, need to be going by these requirements or not. And so I kind of already told you about this. 2020 um, was the, the last year to kind of get yourself together for this. So understanding food risks, I'm going to kind of go over what the risks are and how they're caused to start with. So first, a grower must understand where risk comes from. Contamination comes from microorganisms. The biggest food safety hazards in fresh produce and pathogens that can cause disease or illnesses in humans. And so there's three types of organisms. You've got your bacteria and uh, your salmonella and your E. coli, listeria, some of the common ones I think you hear about on the news. There's viruses, the norovirus and hepatitis A, and then you have your various parasites. All of these can cause illnesses in us. So conditions for growth, you have to have food, you need acidity, time, temperature, oxygen, and moisture. When you get some of these combined together, you're making a nice um, recipe to have um, food contamination. So viruses, they're small particles that multiply only in a host and not in the environment or on produce. Contamination is all, almost always linked to an ill worker handling fresh produce, whether it's not using good bathroom hygiene or blood, they've gotten cut, or contaminated water, those kinds of things. If only takes a few virus particles to make someone ill. It doesn't take very much, and also they multiply extremely fast. So um, it can be very stable in an environment, and prevention is the key. Okay, now we'll move to parasites. Parasites are protozoa intestinal worms that can only multiply in a host, an animal, or a human. They are commonly transferred by water, often not killed by chemical sanitizers, and they can survive in the body for long periods of time before they can cause signs of illness. So what are the areas of challenges we have with this? We have fresh produce is often consumed raw. So that adds a step to the risk because you're not having that kill step of cooking your food. Very difficult to remove. Bacteria can multiply on produce surfaces and in fruit wounds, any kind of punctures in the fruit or anything like that is a nice little source for those little bacterias to, to um, do their job uh, if the right conditions are present. And contamination is often sporadic. So sources would be humans, but there's sources of soil, of animals, water, and then our buildings and our tools, you know, how clean are our tools or um, that we're using, are our pack sheds cleaned before we start, are our picking belts or packing belts sanitized and cleaned before we start um, working with our produce. So how is contamination spread? It can be spread by humans or it can be spread by animals. So with humans, it can be from inadequate hand washing practices, it can be inadequate toilet facilities. It can be working while sick. It can be with injuries such as getting cut and bleeding. With animals, it can be fecal contamination in the fields, contamination in your water sources. Um, and so that would be, you know, by their feces or manure and stuff like that that um, falls off into our crops. So um, how is it spread? It's spread through water. It can be spread through irrigation, spraying crops, um, your post-harvest, cooling, washing, cleaning equipment, um, other events such as floods or runoffs. If you have a neighbor that is grazing cattle or some kind of animal and it's, you have a flood or it's raining and, and that water is moving into where you're growing your produce, that is uh, a way that water can spread that. Your soil amendments, raw manure applying too close to harvest, unthorough treatment, runoff, wind, improper sanitation procedures. And again, surfaces, your equipment, tools, buildings, 
um, any kind of standing water that um, in the right conditions with your temperatures can cause um, contamination. So with this food safety um, regulations now, they are wanting us what they call to have a good agricultural practices, and they call it GAP. And you are, they want you to focus your good agricultural practices on soil, on testing and monitoring your water, on your hygiene, your hand washing, and your clothing, your surfaces, your packing and transporting of your produce, and um, they want you to monitor your wild and domestic animals. So we'll start with our soil. So illnesses can cause microbes that are always present in the soil and the soil on your harvest product and your bins. So uh, it's important that before you're picking your produce into your containers or whatever, that those containers have been cleaned. Um, and anything that you're, you're um, in your process from picking to getting it to a pack shed to boxing it, anything like that, um, that you are um, cleaning your surfaces. Um, land history use. Um, floods, any garbage, was, was the area you were on, was, did someone use it for a dump before you bought your property? Or was someone have it that grazed animals on it? Those kinds of things um, are important to understand before you start growing your food. Um, and then proper manage, like I said, of storage and application of your soil amendments and your compost. So you want to make sure that you keep those separate from your product. So manure and composting, risk should be assessed when selecting and applying all soil amendments on produce fields. So all manures have human pathogens and they need to be applied if you have orchards, the things you're growing off the ground, that um, 20, 121 day, 120 days before um, you're going to be harvesting that product. Um, you cannot apply any kind of raw manure on your fields. And then if you're growing your vegetables and things that are lower to the ground, then you cannot apply your manures and raw materials 90 days prior to your picking those products. This here I wanted to show you is, uh, um, and if you're using raw manure, you've got, you need to document everything you do and so this is what I'm showing you. We bought some raw manure, and um, you have to have proof that, as you can see here, your EHEC and all those things that can cause trouble are negative. So you have to be able to present that and document that um, when you're looking at putting these things on your product. Okay. I The 120 is like your orchards, like things that aren't so close to the ground. Was like your vegetables, those things that are growing closer, you know, to okay. the ground. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I, I was sort of the understanding that you kind of had that's to verify your use of things. Okay, so that's it. So, so that that draws the line from that. If you can use it after ninety days or before ninety days. Okay, thank you for clearing that up. Okay, so three water sources. There are many factors that can affect the quality of your water. There are many sources and uses of water on the farm, and human pathogens can be in water and contaminate edible portions of your crops. Areas of contamination, you have your wells. 
So test all well water sources at the beginning of your growing period. And um, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm a, this is a little bit in the cobwebs of me since I've actually, um, on, on the dates. I mean, I, I do this stuff, but I, I think smaller farms had until 2021 or maybe 22 for this water testing. But I think this year it's, it's all there. Everybody before they're growing needs to have their well tested. And it's, it's usually for your coliform, your E. coli. And, um, for wells, it can be just once a year. If you have a municipal water source, like you're using city water or things like that, then you need to get a certification from your city office or water department or something like that that you have on hand that that water is negative for those items. And then if you're using pond water or streams by your place or things like that, then they're asking you to test those once a week. Once a week. Mm -hmm. And so this is just an example of we got our water tested and what that looks like. And it's hard for me to see my screen. It's really small, but it says, you know, the um, absent up there of uh, E. coli and other things like that. So you'll need to keep that in your records. And, and I want to remind you, some of this stuff is not regulatory for you if you're, you're making less than $25,000 or you have certain kill steps, but still it's good to know for prevention. Okay, so animals and wild and domestic. So it's important to monitor wildlife activity during the growing season. And so um, you want to monitor for feces or any kind of intrusion. Have the animals been eating some of your produce? Or, you know, are you finding any dead animals out there? Or any feces or anything like that that um, would affect uh, your food, uh, safety of your food? Um, so then you need to de try and decide if you can harvest the food around that area or if you need to dispose of the food around that area where it's um, your your wild animals have been around or even domestic animals for that matter. Okay, so workers need to be aware of cross-contamination risks from fecal contamination of hands, clothing, shoes, and equipment after you handle your animals. So, you know, things to think about if you're petting your dog before you go out to work or, you know, really you shouldn't have your animals out there with you when you're picking your produce um, because there's the higher risk of petting them and the cross-contamination there. Okay, so here's an example, and, and this is not just um, for animal contamination. This is just a pre-harvest log. It's kind of funny they call it a pre-harvest log because it made me think, well, before I start harvest, I'll go out to my field and do this. But it's, it's a, it's at least a once a week pre-harvest, like pre-harvest before you harvest that day kind of thing. So you want to always be monitoring, uh, anything you see in your field and you need to keep a record of this. Um, did you see any animals? Did you see, you know, any feces out there or anything like that. And, you know, when we were being certified for this, I mean, it got as technical as if there was feces. We took that yellow crime tape kind of stuff and we would tie it around our, like if a bird had pooped on our produce on our plants or something like that. And then, um, so you could, it, that was a way of telling anybody, you cannot pick this fruit, it's been contaminated. And then we would glove up and we would get rid of that, bag it up and take it and throw it in the trash can. So um, they're, they're pretty serious about it. Um, do they come and inspect a lot? No, um, not yet. Although I was talking to um, a friend of mine who deals with all of this all the time, that's her job. And she was saying that there are now the USDA is coming on people's farms um, more frequently. And they said, uh, she told me, and I'll just tell you in case you encounter that um, at some point, say you want uh, just um, a farm review. 
And what that means is rather than inspecting you and um, penalizing you, um, you're just asking them to look at your farm and if they have any corrections that they're thinking that you need to make, then you've got chance to do that without having infractions on you and then they'll come back later and you can say I've corrected these things. So just something to be aware of. Okay, so let's talk about hygiene. Uh, when to wash your hands. So after you use the bathroom, before starting or returning to work, before and after eating, before putting on your gloves, after touching animals, any times hand, your hands have gotten contaminated. And then how do you properly wash your hands? So you wet your hands with water, you use soap, wash from front to back of the hands for at least 20 seconds, or what I've been sold, say your ABCs, or sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Use soap and wash front and back of your hands for at least 20 seconds, rinse your hands, Dry with your paper towel, turn your faucet off with your paper towel, and then throw your um, trash, your paper in the trash, and um, then you're ready to go to work. Does it have to be paper towels? Yes, it cannot be cloth, because uh, the environment there, where it's, um, it's damp after somebody has wiped their hands, can cause bacterial growth in the right setting, depending on the temperature outside and things like that. So now it was interesting, I shouldn't tell this probably, but we had an inspector trainer come to get us ready for our inspection. And she did all this, she washed her hands and all that stuff. And then, you know, everything just proper and then she went like that afterwards. <laughs> it's really hard, it is really hard to do. But anyway, it was just kind of a... So food safety plan should include farm maps, farm policies that you have for your farm, your SOPs, and we'll get into that if you're not acquainted with that word, training records, water test results, emergency contact information, supplier and buyer information, and your traceability and recall plans. And I, I didn't put this in later, so I might just touch base on this a little bit. A traceability and recall plan is you're documenting and, and tracking like what day you picked your commodity or commodities. And then, um, like for us, you know, a smaller, I don't know, I, I would at least date the day you picked it and have some kind of record of that. But w what it does for us is, is it's, we actually track what employees picked that product and we um, trace it. So like if there's someone gets sick, you know, they buy it from the store or they buy it from the market or, or wherever and they get sick, they want to be able to trace that back to, to so they can take care of the problem. And so um, we use lot numbers, dates, things like that, so a lot number on um, a bill of lading to a store, that lot number could be traced to the lot number, which would be traced to when we picked it, where we picked it, who picked it, all that kind of stuff. So I know it gets a little, probably a little more than you guys are, are doing, but somehow it needs to be traced back to a date, so maybe keep track of days you've picked things and stuff like that. Your product. They they want you to be able to trace back your your produce if someone got sick on it. Okay, got it. I'm, I'm yeah. About oh yeah, I moved on. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So here's that SOP, um, standard operating procedures. So these procedures in are in place so that employees or anybody working on your farm can complete and practice correctly by following those procedures. And your procedures are going to include how you are, um, what, what you have in place that are going to implement these seven food safety, the FISMA Act uh, requirements, okay? So, so, so you're going to make, uh, and I'll go into it a little bit more here, of um, what you're, how you're going to handle your farm and train your employees, those that these things are implemented here washing your hands and, and all that kind of stuff that we talked about. 
And so the location and names of all supplies need to be complete to complete a task or procedure. And how often and when a task is to be performed and your record keeping. And that is the one thing that I, I need to say is probably your most important thing. If they, they just stressed over and over to us, if you haven't written it down, it has not been done. So, so having a food safety plan. Um, your SOP is your roadmap for your operation. It provides checkpoints and monitoring mechanisms to verify and document. It helps maintain or improve product quality and safety. It serves as a reference to all employees during training and throughout the season. It includes training for hygiene, injury and illness, your OSHA, your farming operations, etc. And it includes traceability, documenting and exercising your process annually. So here's some record keeping, verifying when you things are done, whatever you're doing, verifying what you've done. Um, and it is a requirement for FISMA and third parties. And um, they don't really, you don't have to be fancy, you just have to somehow have a system. So it could be a paper, you know, on paper. It could be electronically, your phone, um, a laptop, a tablet. Uh, you can use pens, notebooks, or you can have more sophisticated systems if you want. And um, to end this, this part of it, kind of with the FISMA regulations and everything, um, I put this up here, and I did bring mine. Uh, this is not a hard deal to do, but everybody who grows food is required to do this now in America for food safety, and you take a food safety course, uh, and they go through this whole book with you, which is basically what I've kind of just outlined and talked to you about. And then afterwards, they have you take a little test, which you can't fail it, they'll, they'll help you. <laughs> and then you get the certificate. This never expires but somebody on your farm needs to have one of these. And um, yeah, so that's what they're requiring with the FISMA Act. I, I, that I'm just not clear on. I think maybe you don't if you're under $25,000. I got conflicting. I talked to my friend and she says, everybody. And then I talked to the lady that does this book, and she said under 25. So I don't know. Something maybe you can look up online. What? Under $25,000. $25,000. If, if, if you do not earn more than gross uh, $25,000 in your product. Now, there's another thing that's involved in that. It's like a 250, 270 mile radius. You're not selling out of that radius. Because I think it's, it's a little easier to trace. Mm -hmm. But then, doesn't it have to be like 25,000 for three years, four years, something like that? Average 25,000 for three years? Yes, there is a three years, yes. Thanks for pointing that out. Okay. So now um, I'm going to go kind of focus a little more on post-harvest handling um, once we've kind of figured out what all those regulations are. So this is our place here, and we're uh, working with our post-harvest there in that picture. So again, I'm going to bring up hygiene. Um, you or anybody that is working with the produce needs to um, be very conscious about washing your hands before you enter the work area. After any kind of breaks you have or eating lunch or, or snacks or whatever, any time after coughing or sneezing into your hands. And so I don't, I, I don't know um, how many of you um, know. I don't even think it's with produce anymore. I think it's more of a known fact of if, if you have to cough or sneeze, you do it on your arm and not on your hands. Okay, so toilet habits before entering a toilet facility. Um, please take gloves, aprons, anything that you're using to harvest with need to be removed. 
any harvest tools to be left outside, flush the toilet with every use, and be sure to shut the bathroom door when you leave so there's not any uh, cross-contamination there. And then just to give you a small example, this is, this is just, this is part of our uh, standard operating procedure just on sanitation. Um, you've got something for everything, but this is actually what we had to make um, of how we, our, our policies, our procedures that we do with our sanitation. And not only is it the procedures that we do, but if something has happened, what corrective action we would make. And then again, verification from our, our record keeping um, and what that was. And I was going to read some of it to you, but I can't see my screen. <laughs> it's too small So um, with the setup today. But as you can see, it gets pretty detailed. And it doesn't have to be for you guys, you know. But something should be in place of how, how, you know, write what you do. Like I talked to you about, you know, I wash, we wash our hands before we go to the bathroom. We, you know, all that stuff that I talked about. Yes, I, I'm going to, um, well, what I'm going to do is, um, Therese, or who's ever doing this part of it, she gave me a, a thumb drive, and so I'm going to put them on there, and I, I think you can get those, yeah. Okay, let's see, did I? Okay. All right, so I just put up here um, kind of an example of a, um, one of our worker training little papers. Like I said, it doesn't have to be fancy. It just has to be documented somehow. And so we did a training um, with our employees on wearing clean clothes and footwear following um, our glove and hairnet and jewelry protocol and um, using breaks um, of how to handle that. And so we just had everybody sign and we dated who trained and who listened and, and then we keep kept those records. All right. Cleanliness after harvest. You need to keep in mind everything that's touched or everything that impacts produce after harvest. So that would be your packaging containers, your packaging equipment, hands and clothing, post-harvest water, your building, packing areas, coolers, storage, areas and your transportation vehicles. So um, so this is an example of surfaces that could be contaminated. You've got your, your conveyor belt lines, you've got your tables, your boxes, you've got a lot of people in there. Uh, I, I, as you can see, we have an open, it, we, uh, it's, it's covered, but it's open, so there's the possibility of animals going through there, things like that. All that stuff needs to be checked. Um, we would sanitize all of our belts and everything before we started the day, and we would make sure that there was no animal remains of feces or anything like that before we started. This is um, an example of what we used to sanitize um, parasitic acid and it's organically approved. And um, I put the bottles on the, the right there. Every, everything has to be labeled. Now, it doesn't have to be a fancy label like that. Like, like we have just little squirt bottles that we uh, put our parasitic acid mix in, and before I go into our packing room, I'll squirt my feet on the bottom. And um, you can just write it with a, a Sharpie or something like that, but it just has to be labeled what's in your bottle. Okay, so hygiene washing. So we, um, you know, in the field, we, we had the, uh, they're not outhouses, but what do you call them? Your portable potties. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> portable potties. So we had to make our hand washing station out there, and it was approved. And I don't, I don't have the big, you know, the water jugs they have around, you know, for you to drink out of here. We would have one of those, 
and um, it would be where that bucket is with the green thing around it. And so you would wash your hands, and then you had your soap, and you had your towels, and we had it all set up. So, you know, you can be very creative in how you apply the rules to you. But I did want to point out this um, bucket. Uh, you have to be able to distinguish your um, containers of what you're picking in or what you're not picking in, because someone who's working for you might not know the difference between those. And so what we did, we marked everything with a green line of paint that was not to be used for produce. Okay, so um, I just wanted to point out again that there's different packed areas for people. It can be out in the open. You can do it in the field. Some of our product, we actually like zucchini, we would just pack in the field. And we had a conveyor belt that came up and we had a crew on a trailer and they just packed the boxes right there and we were done. Um, but then you can see here we're packing in an open area. These are more susceptible to, um, to pathogens so you have to be a little bit extra careful in um, inspecting them before you start um, packing your produce. And then of course you have your fancy big warehouses people um, or you may have a small closed-in area that you know that you have that has doors, windows, and, and you can close it up, and then you have less possibility of, of food contamination. So, um, how to reduce the risk in your pack area is keep it clean by sweeping, picking up trash, removing coal piles. So. If you're not using a piece of fruit and you're kind of setting it aside on a table or things have fallen on the ground and you're not using those, those need to be removed daily. You know, you can't just keep stuff on the ground. And actually, we had to do that in our fields too um, because it would draw, draw the animals into our fields. So we had to clean out, you know, everything that was not to go in our box or be packed. We had to dispose of that from our fields. Uh, separate produce handling areas from other farming operations. So don't store your cleaning supplies where you're packing your food. Um, don't store your gas or you know oil or all those kinds of things where you're going to be packing your food. Um, and provide proper hygiene facilities, restrooms, porta pot uh, not porta pot. What do you call those things? Porta pots. That <laughs> sounded funny. <laughs> okay. Um, in the same location as your pack area. Okay, preventing standing water. That can be a growth place for pathogens such as listeria. I think we've all heard about that one with the melons. That's pretty common recall for that one. They seem to be very susceptible. Oh, so sorry. Mm -hmm. And then pest management. So all areas need a pest management program. A lot of times we just use the little traps for the smaller rodent pests. Okay, so what is the difference between cleaning and sanitizing? So you can't just take your sanitizer and spray everything and think you're good because that's not cleaning your stuff. That's not really taking care of the problem. Before you sanitize your clippers or your knives or whatever you're using to, for your produce, cleaning is physically removing the dirt, soil from the surfaces that uses clean water and detergent. And this is the first step that needs to be done before you sanitize. And then after you've cleaned, sanitizing is a treatment of an already clean surface to reduce and eliminate the presence of microorganisms. So in your standing operate, standard operating procedures for the packing area, you're monitoring for pests, you're preparing and cleaning and sanitizing your solutions, how you clean and sanitize your wash lines, how you clean and monitor your storage area, how you inspect your trucks prior to loading your fresh produce, how you clean your vehicles for transporting your produce. So other risks besides microbial risks, chemicals such as pesticides, detergents, and sanitizers. Keep them locked and stored away from your produce area. 
by training your workers or anyone who's helping you that they understand what your standard operating procedures are for safety. Um, keep um, It's supposed to be MSDS, not SDS, but um, if, if you're using a product, um, they'll come with a label of your ingredients and if there's a problem of how to take care of that, like if you get it in your eye, what are you supposed to do? So you're supposed to keep all those um, somewhere where everybody has access to them that's working for you. And do not use any materials that will leach into your produce. So physical risks, um, there's wood, metals, glass or plastic or other foreign objects, and I don't know if you've seen on the news, but I noticed Coca-Cola and Pepsi had a huge recall because they were afraid there was glass in some of their drinks. Um, so um, having shatterproof light fixtures if you're packing under, under lights. Um, inspect equipment moving parts, make sure that nothing's breaking off of them, and make sure to cover the packaging, packing materials and containers to reduce the risk. And so, you know, we had an open um, pack shed, and at night, you know, we had our all boxes stacked up on the, you know, ready for the conveyor belt, and we would cover them with um, a clean, bigger cardboard we would lay on top of them. It's just so nothing gets inside. Birds don't get, you know, poop inside. No, no, we just, they were covered on top. You know, I mean, the boxes stacked in each other, but then we just covered the top so that there was no chance of a mouse running in it or a bird flying over or whatever. Okay, so they're not so concerned that... Uh, you miss a requirement or something's not done just right by all these regulations, but um, I mean, you know, they want you to do that, but they understand everybody makes mistakes and can't do everything right all the time. And so there's these corrective actions, and really it's just documenting and moving forward is what it really amounts to. So when there um, is an identified food risk, you would assess, assess the situation and then decide if the produce can still be used or does it need to be thrown away. Uh, determine what caused the problem. Determine what needs to be done to correct the problem. And document and keep records of your corrective actions. And so, I know it's hard to see on this small screen, but I just wanted to give you an example of our corrective um, log. So, I don't know, it, it, and, and it's kind of our whole process. Um, one of them, maybe we didn't clean the bathroom. We forgot to clean the bathroom one week or something like that. So, you know, it's not on your records of what you do, and so you, someone will see you missed that week, so you just put on a corrective thing, forgot to clean bathroom, clean the bathroom, and now we're moving forward kind of thing. I think Brad had one on there, found some feces in the field, how he removed it, and it was not close to the produce, it was in a walkway or, you know, things like that. So just um, just needing to correct things that um, happen and move forward, but documentation, again, is very important. So before you enter your pack area, clean your harvest bins or any kind of um, box, you know, I'm not talking about your cardboard boxes, obviously, but any any plastic boxes, field boxes, bins, whatever you use to put your, your product in. Remove soil from these bins before entering the package and storage areas. Have bins that are not used for picking and packing, produce clearly marked, and again, like I said, we, we marked everything with a green line on them, so everybody knew that if they had a green line, they were not to put produce in them unless it was stuff that needed to be thrown away. <laughs> okay, so proper maintenance of a pack area, uh, regular inspections, inspect for any kind of cracked hoses that are gonna leak or where little organisms can kind of gather in there, standing water, dirty equipment such as conveyor belts, brushes, and training is necessary for all workers. So before we um, started every morning, we went through the whole process of our picking wagons. We would actually sanitize those. Um, all of our knives or any clippers that we were using were sanitized. 
then we'd go into our pack shed and all these belts uh, would be sanitized. And we just had one of those like, oh, you know, those containers that have the little nozzle on them and you can just spray and we would have our stuff in there and we'd just go and, and spray the surfaces. Okay, the use of packing containers. Um, if they're boxes, cardboard, uh, that you're putting produce into sale, they should not be reused. Um, any kind of plastic or um, reusable containers, you just want to make sure that you clean them and then you sanitize them. And storage in a, a covered area off the floor, reducing the risk of contamination by pests and other contaminants. And kind of how they explained to us, off the floor, like on a pallet, because if, if there's a mouse in there kind of going around, they're more apt to go under that pallet than up and into your boxes. Yes. Yes. And then some of this, um, just real quickly, is how to reduce your pests. Um, if you have a pest management program in place for your packaging and storage areas, um, and, and for what pests you have, you, you, you know, every area is different. If you have birds, rodents, they, these carry human pathogens in, uh, um, into their pathogens in their feces, which can contaminate. Um, and I kind of um, went through this, but you know, you might have birds roosting. Um, you might you'll need to think of ways. If something's really wanting to set a home in there, like you know, one year we had bats that just loved our pack shed at night, and so <laughs> we had to deal with that. But just just making ways, corrective ways, and ways that you're making them not want to be there anymore and things like that. Um, if it's a closed area, inspect the walls, windows, doors, cracks for pests um, or anything that um, could affect your produce. And keep your produce covered. Like I said, keep your boxes covered. Um, if you have open bins of produce, even covering them with a cardboard or burlap or something that's going to prevent um, animals from getting in there. And cold storage, if any of you have cold storage, it's not required, but if you do, there's a proper way to use that. So you need to inspect your area regularly for cleanliness and um, cooling equipment um, that it's working properly, that your coolers are working properly. You want to monitor your temperatures daily, um, no condensation dripping on your produce, and your doors and windows um, seals are intact. Uh, transportation, I kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, there's our little trailer out in the field. Those would all be cleaned before we went out and cleaned every morning, basically. But the bins that you see on the, oh, that's in the next slide, sorry. <laughs> the bins that you see there on the um, right, all those bins would be cleaned before we put our produce in it. The truck bed would be cleaned before we put them on that. And... Um, we're coming in from a hard day of picking cucumbers there, and um, probably too tired to clean it that night, but we would clean it in the morning before we started again. <laughs> and then I just have a few other slides here for record keeping. This, um, I just put them up there. They, they have templates if you, if you you know, don't want to make your own. These, these are ones we made and we used. We had one for the field. We had one for our pack area and we had just washing our equipment and stuff like that. Like I said, it doesn't have to be fancy, just something. But they, these people provide those for you too. You can go online and get stuff. Here's just some more examples. Um, the um, Brad helped me out. I, I mean, I know OSHA is for safety and illness regulations for everybody, um, different states and everything. Um, and so this check-in field, it was required by the FISMA Food and Safety Act, but it was also um, kind of following the OSHA requirements for, it was not only food safety, but included in that had to do with yourselves or your employees as far as heat, you know, heat, um, heat strokes or heat, um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, well, I have a hard time putting words to OSHA. I just... <laughs> One, one, your, your hazard is your, 
in your business once the, uh, the new one is the is the food safety health and injury yeah plan. yeah so they got a couple different uh, regulatory uh, so so this this OSHA one dealing with food and safety um, not only are you working and thinking about your produce, but you're thinking about yourselves, you're thinking about your employees, you're documenting the temperature of the day, you're documenting um, all those kinds of things. So you, are you saying this one doesn't, does that fit under the, the... Well, I'm using OSHA, and, I, and I've been talking about food safety and how you handle your food, but I wanted to just point out here, with OSHA, you go beyond your food. Right. You go to you know, taking care of your employees and yourselves also. Yeah, you have to have drinking water out in the field at all times. You the temperature of your water, you know, and then now, of course, you need shade, some kind of shade out there if you don't have trees and stuff like that. Um, so it gets pretty detailed. Um, what I would suggest, I think, you know, probably a lot of you are not up to that size, maybe, but it just kind of gives you a little education on um, things maybe to be aware of while you're growing your food and sharing it with, with uh, customers and, you know, making your own um, standard operating practices. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.